Chapter Four of the Friendship of Anne, a story by Ellen Douglas Deland. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. That same evening, when at half past eight, the girls had gone to their rooms as usual at the hour, there was a faint tapping upon one of the windows of the corner room occupied by Sydney and Bertha. It was still raining and the wind had risen into gusts. The sound was no doubt caused by a branch of one of the trees that grew so near the house on that side. But presently it came again, one, two, three, in slow, regular taps. Sydney glanced at Bertha. She was removing her bangles as she stood in front of the dressing table and apparently was unconscious of the mysterious noise. In a moment it came again, and this time it was quite loud. Rat, tat, tat, directly on the window pane. Bertha turned quickly. What was that? she exclaimed. I don't know, said Sydney. It has been going on ever since we came up. I thought it was the wind at first, or a branch or something, but it can't be that. There it is again. This time the window pane was struck six times. Oh, Bertha gave a little shriek. It must be ghosts. This room is haunted. And she started toward the door. Oh, how absurd, laughing Sydney. How can you believe such nonsense? I am going to open this window and see what it is. But it might be someone trying to get in, exclaimed Bertha in an agitated whisper. If you do, I shall lock myself in the closet. All right, you can. But how could anyone climb up to this window to get in? The next time it raps, I'm going to open the window. Bertha retired to the closet. There was no way of locking herself into it, but there was a feeling of safety for her by merely being on that side of its door. She peered out through the crack, divided in her mind between timidity and curiosity, and watched Sydney's proceedings. Sydney stood by the window, and the next time the sound came, which it did after an interval of a very few minutes, she raised the shade and flung up the sash. Just beyond the window sill, a small white object danced and bobbled up and down. It looked at first like a little package. Then it seemed to her to be a box. She put out her hand and touched it. Yes, it was a small box stuck on the end of a fishing pole, which evidently was being held by someone in the room directly underneath. As she took hold of it, a voice called from below in a sing-song tones. Take me, read me, tell it not. The KQC is near this spot. She obeyed the command and removed the box from the fishing pole, which was hastily withdrawn, and closing the window, she turned towards her roommate, who crept from the closet. It is the KQC she cried, laughing. Oh, Bertha, the idea of you thinking of ghosts. See, there is something in this little box about it, I suppose. 
Don't tell, will you, Sydney, that I was so frightened, urged Bertha. I really couldn't help it. Promise, won't you? Why, of course, replied Sydney, more intent on examining the contents of the box than anything else. She had untied the string and now found inside the cover a wad of paper folded very small. Upon being opened, it proved to be a sheet of foolscap paper. At the top was a little pen and ink drawing, cleverly done, of a door with a large number four on it. The door was partly open, and the back of a girl's figure was seen entering, while other girls crowded after her. Beneath the picture was neatly printed the following lines. You are summoned to the KQC. Its members you will surely wish to be. So tomorrow at the magic hour of three, oh, come to the jolly jamboree. Walk, walk, walk the upper corridor. Tap, tap, tap at room number four. Fourth from the end and four on the door. There you will find us members by the score of the KQC. The KQC, oh, what can it be? At the end of the year, you will see what you'll see. Then you'll know, ho, 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 what it is to be a member of the KQC. What fun, said Bertha, taking possession of the paper when they had read it a second time. You don't want this, do you? Anyhow, it is meant for me as much as for you, and I am making a collection of all kinds of souvenirs and interesting things like this. I do wonder what they do at the meetings and what we have to do to stay members. It certainly is mysterious. Sydney did not reply. She was as much interested in the club as Bertha was, but she was still uncertain as to whether she should belong. There were reasons why she should not, she told herself. But at three o'clock the following afternoon, she was one of the girls who walked along the upper corridor and knocked upon the door from the knob of which hung a large sign of number four. It was Anne Talbot's and Dorothy Fearing's room, and it presented at first glass a startling glare of color. One half of the room was hung with red. There were crimson curtains at the window on that side, a crimson table cover, flags of the same brilliant hue, and each adorned with a very large H, decorated the walls. Pictures were hung by red ribbons. Everything that could be touched by color was in crimson. The other half of the room was equally gaudy, but the tint was blue. Blue window curtains, blue flags, blue ribbons. Of course, every girl who reads the story will at once guess the significance of those decorations. Anne Talbot was for Harvard because her brother was there, Dolly Fearing for Yale, for an equally good reason. The two were intimate friends and devoted to each other, but this was the subject upon which they could never agree, 
and they carried out their loyalty to the brothers to the utmost extreme anne talbot being president of the k ku c for the year occupied the chair this was an old high-backed wooden rocking chair and to make the position of president more imposing the chair was placed upon the bed ruth carter one of the older girls was the secretary sat at a table on the president's right but fortunately in security on the floor the other girls sat wherever they could find a resting place some in chairs some on the window sills some on the floor or on the trunks sydney found herself perched upon the washstand from which the pitcher and basin had been removed to the safety and seclusion of the closet there was a great buzz and chatter until anne's little french travelling clock on the bureau struck the hour of three then the president rapped with a hairbrush on the wooden arm of the rocking-chair and called for order immediately there was silence the old girls knew what was expected of them the new members were only too anxious to hear what was coming the president cleared her throat with impressive loudness and opened the meeting there was not so much known in those days about parliamentary rules for the conducting of public meetings and the proper carrying on of clubs but anne was equal to almost any occasion and nobody thought of suggesting that anything she might say or do was out of order nor of criticizing her in any way here we are again she said and i for one am mighty glad we are here there is nothing nicer than the k q c and before we go any further i shall like to have you all unite in a cheer three cheers for the k q c hip hip hooray 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 the cheers were given with a shrill will that would have made the rafters ring had there been any rafters then the back of the brush was again applied to the arm of the chair and the president proceeded it is nice to see so many of the old members and i'm sure you will all join in welcoming the new three cheers for the new members hip hip hooray again there was an uproar of sound again the brush was called in to service and quiet reigned once more of course continued the president these new girls are simply aching to know what is expected of them we all know that they will find out soon enough we were in their shoes last year we at this time were tearing our hair to know what big things we had to do to stay in the dear old club we were just as ignorant as they it is a very queer club unique i should say i hope your new members will like it and all stay in next year will be on hand to welcome the new girls just as we are doing now well i have said all i can think of and so i will ask the secretary 
to call the roll and read the rules and report. Ruth Carter, who was a girl of seventeen, rose and opened a blank book. From this she read first the names of the old members, each one of whom responded with the word present, then the names of the five new girls who answered likewise. Then came the constitution and bylaws, which were as follows. The KQC of the Wickersham School was founded in 1878. Consequently, it is regarded as a very vulnerable institution, and one which everyone should be proud to join. All pupils at the school are eligible for membership until something proves that they are not. The first year is one of mystery and mistakes. After that, everything is explained and membership is a simple matter. Rule 1. To KQ. Rule 2. To obey summons to meetings. Rule 3. To pay 50 cents at the beginning of each year towards defraying necessary expenses of feasts. Rule 4. On receipt of a box of eatables from home to share it as much as possible with other members. Rule 5. In every way to be loyal to the club. If for any reason a member resigns from the club, she is expected to remain loyal, which means that she will tell its affairs not to one and will guard the its secrets to the end of her life. Rule 6. KQ and again KQ. Ruth Carter read these rules aloud in a clear voice of authority. Then she continued, The book is ready for signatures, and I will ask each member, as her name is called, to step forward and sign the book, which signature holds good for the whole year. The old members will come first. The signing occupied some time, and thus Sydney had the opportunity to consider the question of joining. Fifty cents was not a very large amount to pay yearly, and she was quite sure that her mother would not wish her to decline on that account. The matter of expense was really she had for refusing, and there were many reasons why it seemed desirable to join. So when her turn came, she also went forward and signed the book. The secretary was the last to put her name, which she did with a flourish. There, she exclaimed, that is done. Business is now over, and other more important affairs will be attended to. Has anybody anything to suggest? I have, said Molly Meigs, who was also one of the older girls. I wish to present three opportunities. Will the secretary please make a note of these three opportunities? A very poor family by the duck pond, a drowned trodden Mongol dog living on Main Street near the post office, the little lady next door. She paused and immediately a hubbub of many voices broke out. I speak for the downtrodden dog. 
the poor family by the duck pond i have a splendid idea for them why molly what do you mean by the lady next door there is no lady next door the house is empty the president wrapped her brush will miss meigs kindly explain said she as soon as she could make herself heard what she means by her extraordinary statement we have always been given to understand that the houses that the house next door was empty save for the ghosts and figures of our imagination hear hear cried the audience admiringly if someone is really living there alive and like other people the k q c ought to know about it of course but it is something for the k q c to take any active steps about it is replied molly meigs when the clapping which followed anne's remarks had subsided somewhat i can say no more i can only state on my honor as a member of the k q c that a lady is living next door here to the surprise of everybody sydney stewart spoke there is a lady there she said eagerly and then stopped abashed at hearing her own voice in such a large meeting really and truly exclaimed anne have you seen her how did you see her you know our room is on that side and i can see into the garden or at least into little part of it it is so overgrown that you can't see much the lady was walking there leaning on some one's arm her maid i think why has the k q c any business to know more asked ruth carter the secretary of course i have no doubt that molly meigs knows what she is talking about but at the same time i would suggest that such people as would live in the house next door are not very likely to be suitable objects for the work of the k q c they are insisted molly they certainly are you don't know a thing about it ruth though you may think you do you always she was interrupted by an outburst of song k q c whatever you do k q chanted all the old members molly laughed good-naturedly and said no more well whatever we may think about the lady next door then there can be no doubt about the downtrodden family and the poor dog said anne oh no i have gotten them mixed it was a downtrodden dog wasn't it kindly let us hear from some of you at the next meeting on those subjects then she sang who will scale the wall this was most mysterious to the new members it all seemed mysterious but this was the most so and the response delivered by all the old members in a sing-song voice 
made it still more remarkable. I answer to the call. Tis I will scale the wall. And who will climb the tree? And I, my sisters three, tis we will climb the tree. And who will walk the rope? Tis difficult to cope, but I will walk the rope. And who will only wait? I, if it be my fate, tis I will only wait. These responses were sung in unison, in a slow chant. The new members looked at one another in astonishment. What could it all mean? Truly, the KQC was a very unique organization. The meeting is adjourned, said the president. Notices of the next will be served at the proper time and place. We've got to hustle now, for it is five minutes of four, and the professor is coming at four for the lecture on Greek sculptures. There was a rush for the door, and in a very few moments the first meeting of the KQC for the season was a thing of the past. Sidney Stewart found it difficult at first to put her mind on Greek sculpture, but finally she succeeded in banishing all thought of the club for the present. After the lecture came the study hour, and it was not until the short period before supper, when she and Bertha were in their room, that she could think or speak of the strange proceedings that had taken place in room number four. Bertha was apparently much excited by the events of the afternoon. Isn't it the oddest club you've ever heard of? She exclaimed in her interest in making her speak in a more friendly manner than she usually showed Sydney. It was evident to the most casual observer that these two girls did not like each other, and it was not all the fault of Bertha. Sydney had taken very little pains to conceal the fact that she did not find her roommate congenial. She made no effort to overcome her dislike, but on the contrary, rather encouraged it. She felt that she was above Bertha, whose lack of refinement showed itself in many ways, and it never occurred to her that it would be better to look for the good that was in the girl rather than think so much of the bad that was there. What does it all mean? said Bertha. Why did they all begin to shout KQ to Molly Miggs? What had she said that made them do it? She was only talking about who was in the house next door. No, it was more than that, said Sidney. She began to say something to Ruth Carter, and they interrupted her that way. KQ, KQ, whatever you do, KQ. It certainly is queer. And then that song about when, who will scale the wall? Do you suppose it will be a whole year before we know more? No, said Bertha. 
of course it won't i shall find out before i have been here many weeks i can just tell you that the poor family and the dog didn't sound very interesting nor the lady next door but i shan't miss a thing for you don't know how things will turn out oh sydney would you mind lending me a handkerchief i can't find mine anywhere but i know i have lots of clean ones sydney reluctantly opened her trunk and took the upper one of a neat pile goody how carefully you keep your things said bertha as she took it i never could it isn't in me you don't have your handkerchiefs embroidered do you mine have three initials all done by hand done in ink makes them rather common don't you think so but then i suppose ink is good enough for the quality of handkerchief there is the supper bell and i haven't washed my hands do pour out some water for me won't you i'll tell you a good joke only you must never tell i happen to know that miss wickersham is going to talk about arctic explorers tonight and i have read them up in the encyclopedia why how do you know asked sydney oh that's telling there i'm ready at last end of chapter four recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c